der Tender Spirits Podcast. Wir vertreiben ausgewählte Flaschen für Restaurants, Bars und Highballer. Und hier geht es um die Menschen und Orte hinter diesen Flaschen. Wo kommen sie her? Und ziemlich wichtig, wer macht sie warum auf? Okay, so I'm sitting here with a beautiful view on the harbor, uh, in the 25-hour hotel, in the, in the uh, analog room, kind of, surrounded. It's a very cool room, isn't it? We can see the harbor, and yeah. the big building site, and yeah. we are sat we are surrounded, on some rugs. Surrounded by uh, records. old records. Yep. And I'm sitting here with, the, next to me by the front, there's the Rolling Stones and the Beatles, and there's another British man here. <laughs> <laughs> It's a lovely segue. It's, It's good. good huh? Yeah, yes. very good. William Burrell is in the house. Welcome. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, uh, I met some call you Western Rodin. Yes. For a reason. Yes. I met you, I think it was two years ago on the Paris Bar Show. Yes. The Ritz in France was just <coughs> reopened. There was Paris Bar Show. Everybody wanted to go into the Ritz to visit this new bar. It was very crowded. It was a very small bar, the Hemingway bar. I was sitting there with uh, Eric Lawrence and Argo Perona, and we had the first extraordinary Ritz Martini. Yes, so Colin, very, yeah, Colin Field yeah. was making his incredible um, martinis. And uh, me and a couple of colleagues who were working in my bar, uh, we'd been to the um, cocktail uh, festival in Paris. We had a very good time. And there was no tables, but Jörg was very, very kind because he is I a think consummate. I think it was you. <laughs> I think you, you definitely, the king of hospitality, said, we have three seats. We're not using them. Join us. Come and join us. So we sat with the star tenders of the European bar scene, Ago, <laughs> Eric, Jörg. And we had a couple of martinis and we had a good chat. And yeah. that was the beginning. And I knew you from social media and I knew you were operating a cool bar. I always liked the name in London and I liked the story because historically this bar used to be, the room of this bar used to be a public toilet in the Correct. Of yeah. London. And this um, is why you call it ladies and gentlemen. It's in Victorian. I toilet. guess a joke, exactly. And this, this toilet was not used for 40 years, so it was underground. And one of the most incredible things about the Victorians was whatever they built, whether it was a bridge or a toilet or the canal, they built it and overbuilt it. So the floor is marble, there's brass everywhere. They were very indulgent with their building materials. Mm -hmm. So we, had a, we have a small bar, um, which is why we were at the bar show. We were doing a takeover, I think, at Sherry Butt that night, which was very, very fun. Um, and then we began to talk about your new project. Also. Tender Spirits. Yeah, it's no. First of all, you told me about, oh, by the way, I'm also doing a vodka. Oh, that's true, yes. And then I was like, that's interesting because we are thinking about building a company, importing liquors, which we like. So I was like, let me, let me know about your uh, vodka. Product, vodka. Yeah. Because technically I was known as a vodka critic. Yeah. And I was like, hmm, vodka, what, so to say, BS might this be? Agreed. It's funny because when I look back and I talk to people about vodka, I imagine that a lot of people, their first impression was this idea that what the hell is this guy talking about vodka for? The world doesn't need another vodka. Mm -hmm. So you're either being very polite or very patient, mm -hmm. but most people would slam the door mm -hmm. and say, we don't need to talk about it. But I guess we were talking about what we were making was we had a vodka, but we also had a not vodka, mm -hmm. which we think is vodka, but technically it's not vodka. You told me this story. You said, listen, we have something. This is because... The vodka we do is coming from Poland for a reason. My family is, part of the family is in Poland. Yep. We have a nice area there. So I grow part of the time up in Poland. I'm, I have a Polish collection. Yep. I, I used to, for sure, only when I reached legal age, 
to drink some Polish yeah. vodka, for sure. And uh, we fell in love with the old style of vodka people gave us there. And technically, by the modern regulation of the EU, the way the Polish people used to do vodka with potatoes is yep. not any longer allowed to be called vodka. Yes. And you showed me the samples to say, listen, look, this is, I think you had two or three vintages with you. You said, look, this is the way we do it. It's only potatoes, it's only distillation, but they tasted totally different. And I was like, okay, that's interesting, that's vodka. And you said, technically, this one is not vodka, but it used to be vodka. Yes. But this is what we do, and also we do a real vodka. You know, it's funny. I don't know how we can change the law. Maybe it's impossible. Maybe we can go to the EU. I know that in the 1990s, the big companies changed the regulation with the EU about vodka being made from anything. So it doesn't just have to be made from wheat or rye or potatoes. But they're very, very big companies with big resource and money. So maybe, who knows, we can one day change this idea and return to a classification of historical vodka. Mm -hmm. Because when you taste unfiltered vodka, and you taste any unfiltered spirit, it's like tasting home cooking. It doesn't have to be mine, doesn't have to be potatoes, it could be wheat or rye or potatoes or barley. It is quite amazing how it tastes very different to commercial spirits. Mm -hmm. And I think when people taste it, there is a little moment where you kind of have a little moment and think, this is interesting, as you say, but you have to get people to taste it. Mm -hmm. It's the one thing, as soon as they taste it, they can say, I like it or I don't like it, because taste is very subjective. Mm -hmm. But they will have a moment and they'll, they'll, their eyes will go, this is different. This is really interesting. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, and then you told me all about how you do it and how it's done and where you do it. And maybe we start first. So you move. Or there's a relation to why you decided to do vodka in Poland. Correct. Why, why does the British, the London yeah. bar owner, ladies and gentlemen, William Bestall, uh, William Burrell, <laughs> William to, Bar Owner. Yeah. You know, the, so the bar comes second. So okay. the first thing that happens is, in all honesty, is that my father is living in Poland. Mm -hmm. He married a Polish woman. Mm -hmm. And they moved to Poland, to this place in northern Poland, near the Baltic. If you go near the Baltic, you've got the sea. The Baltic is largely flat. Mm -hmm. It's quite a flat sea. Then you've got sand. Mm -hmm. You've got really, really long beaches, mm -hmm. but beautiful beaches, like white sand. Mm -hmm. Then behind the beaches, you can have lakes and forests. So you're getting a, a lot of things. God put a lot of things together, very close together, and mm -hmm. it's quite beautiful. And then when you go further inside, you have forests and lakes and all of these things, and it's very, very beautiful. And I think my father, who was originally from New Zealand, he thought that northern Poland, and I think you have to just close your eyes and squint and just look very, very kind of like hard through your eyes, he thought it looked like New Zealand. Also, he bought land. Long time ago. Yes. Like from today. Because the opportunity was, ago? about 30 years yeah. ago, because the opportunity was, I think, Scandinavians, some Dutch people, and him, the only New Zealander in the whole of Poland, he bought land because it was affordable. You couldn't buy land in Germany. It would be very expensive. You could, but not it would that be much. No, it would yeah. be very expensive. So the opportunity around when communism fell by the wayside yeah. and the rising of the ship workers with Solidarność, you had a lot of people in Poland who wanted to make some money. And a lot of people in Poland had very small little pieces of land that they probably didn't use anymore. They weren't growing potatoes or they didn't have livestock 
grazing. So he built this small lodge where you've got about 22, 25 rooms. And a lot of people then started to come and visit him. And then he started to also import wine from vineyards from vineyards that he visited. <laughs> nice. So he set up a life for himself, which was in the summertime, very nice, some, you know, very, very, very pleasant. And in the wintertime, he would go to New Zealand or Argentina or Chile, mm-hmm. and he'd find a winery, he'd buy directly, and he'd import. And then he'd sell to Poland. Mm-hmm. And at this time, what it meant was every weekend, you would have the the ambassador from the USA, from England, from Scandinavia, from Holland, come and stay every weekend. So it had a really cool vibe, like Mm -hmm. a lot of people were there. And during that time, we were, I was trying to escape because everyone wants to escape their parents. Mm -hmm. And I was going on adventures, um, sometimes to Poland or... I would take the ferry from Gdansk to Stockholm, the midnight overnight ferry. And I just, we started to experiment and we were seeing lots of spirits. And all of those spirits that we were seeing became very interesting because these moonshines were all very different. Some very good. Some of them, I'm sure they would kill you. They were very bad. Mm -hmm. And so we had a moment, one moment where it said, if Poland makes potato vodka... They also make rye vodka. But potato vodka, they're quite famous for. If you have a potato in one field and you have a potato in another field, does it make different vodka? So we planted two different types of potato in two different fields. And then we pulled them out when they were very, very small. We'd heard that this was a technique that they did for the best vodka that they kept for themselves, rather than the vodka that they would send, or the potatoes that they would send to the big communist farms. We then asked a vodka producer to make us some vodka for the first vintage in 2008, 2009. And then we got approximately 6,000 bottles, 3,000 of each field, and we tasted them. And they didn't taste like vodka. They tasted like an eau de vie or schnapps. Very fruity, very lively, very creamy finish. I then took one of each bottle and I came back that summer and I went to London and I didn't know about bars. I'd never drunk a martini. I didn't know anything in terms of opinion. So I went to the only place I knew, which is a members club, quite famous in London, called the Groucho Club. And the Groucho Club is famous because you get Kate Moss there, you get the Rolling Stones, you get all of these people who are super cool. And you need a membership. I didn't have a membership. I went in there, I had an old suitcase, And I knocked on the door and I said, can I see the bar manager? And the bar manager came out. I said, you don't know me. I'm not a member. I don't know anything about spirits. Can you try this? And he said, wow, this is amazing. He said, I will buy six bottles and six bottles. So then I had a problem because I only had two bottles. And I thought, well, if he wants to buy six bottles, maybe we can sell some more bottles. So this is when I will tell you a story that might get me in trouble, but these are the best stories. Mm -hmm. I then went back to Poland in a van and I put in the back of the van a hundred of each bottle. He said 10. (laughs) And then I drove to England and I sold six bottles and six, uh, six bottles to the Groucho Club. And then I got a little market stall on the river near the Thames where they were doing a slow food market with very organic food and stuff like that. And I set up my stall and 
I didn't know about tax or excise or duty, which in the UK is about eight pounds a bottle. Mm-hmm. And you've got the VAT on top. So I was selling these really old vintages for maybe about 10 or 12 pounds. <laughs> I was just selling them. I was pouring them. I was saying, try it. And then somebody said to me, you know, you need to pay the tax on this. I said, what tax? So then I had a look. I said, oh, I'm, I'm going to swear. I said, oh, shit, I need to pay the tax here. This is really illegal. I mean, I think if they caught me, this is worse than bringing in cocaine. Like they would be really pissed off, really pissed off. So I did the paperwork and I got the license. I got the license to store in a warehouse. I didn't know. It's a very hard license to get. I was lucky. They just said, there you go. I must have filled in everything correctly. And then I started to bring in the goods on a truck. And then the truck would come. And I had this license. And then I had a self-storage unit, very cheap self-storage unit. And it would come on a pallet, and I would have pallets, I'd have boxes. And what I would have to do by law is I would have to pay for all the tax up front. Now, I took a loan, so I had a credit card. I think the credit card had a limit of two and a half thousand pounds. And that's what I had to pay in tax, was two and a half thousand pounds. So I get all the boxes, I opened up all the boxes, I put the stickers on all the boxes, on all the bottles, and I put it back. I was legal. Then we had one account. So I thought, well, I go to another account. So I went, where did I go next? I think I could have gone to the Savoy. I was choosing really difficult accounts, like the best. I went into the Savoy, I'm not sure who's the manager. I don't think it was Declan McGurk then. Wasn't it Daniel? Maybe it was, I, I, I can't remember who it was, but I went in there. Wasn't it Daniel? There was a German one. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I think it was. Yeah. So I went in there, same thing again. Knock on the door. Hello, Savoy. My name is William. I make vodka. First thing they said to me, we don't need vodka. The no. Vodka is pretty shit. We don't need vodka. I said... Please take your time and can you try this? Just try it. They tried it. They said, well, this isn't vodka. You're, mis- you're wrong. It's not vodka. I said, it is. This is how we do it. They Technically, said, they have been right. Oh, no, no. I mean, they were, they they were very been. right. <laughs> Again, I didn't know the rules. I thought it was potato yeah. vodka. Potato vodka. So they then said to me, okay, this is not vodka. But you know what? Sure. We will take... A case. So this pattern emerged. Um, meanwhile, I was living on a boat. I was living on a boat on the canal in London. Is that the, the boat you still own? It's this boat I still own. Ah, I like so I had this boat. And the reason I lived on the boat was because to live on a boat in London, approximately, it costs £1,000 a year. I could afford that. I was building a small business. And in the morning times, what I would do was, the boat was in King's Cross, and they had the Eurostar for Paris. And in the Eurostar building, which opened at about 5 a.m., there was a coffee shop. There was two coffee shops. There was a hipster coffee shop. There was a Starbucks. I wanted to work at Starbucks because the money was better. But I only got a job in the hipster coffee shop. And at 5 a.m. every day, I was there until 5 till 1 or something. 5 till 1 in the afternoon, maybe 5 till 2 in the afternoon. Something like that. And that meant I got coffee, I got breakfast, I got paid. And then at 1 o'clock, I sold vodka. And I did that for one and a half years. And I would go and I would knock on the door and I would say, taste this. And they would say, okay, this is good. And they would say either yes or no. And then at night time, I had a very old Mercedes estate car, a diesel, a soccer mum car. And I would put the vodka in the back 
and I would deliver the vodka at night. So we did that for one and a half years. And then I got a wholesaler in London. Mm -hmm. So they did it for me. And then it was little stages. So you sell your first bottle, you feel amazing. You've sold one bottle. You sell a case, you feel amazing. You sell a pallet. I mean, this is crazy times. And then you sell a container. But also you see the margin going down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. From bottle to pallet. <laughs> because But also the work. So, yeah. Because, you know. Yeah. And so it grew and grew and grew. And then I would say, yeah, we're nine years because the first vintage is in 2009, but we really don't start the company and start selling till two, end of 2010, 2011, like officially. So you could say it's been nine years. Mm -hmm. And it's funny. Every book I read, and I love reading those books about those people, whether it's Zuckerberg or um, uh, Branson or kind of all of these people who are, let's say, entrepreneurs and they build a business. The one thing that I take from all of this, and I would say to everyone, is that nothing is overnight. For sure. Not, no. Nothing is an overnight success. No. It might look like that, but there's always work. Yeah. So now we're in a position where we are selling in a few countries around the world and we have some really good partners, for example, Tender Spirits and Jörg and his good team. And um, we have uh, another problem because we are selling vodka and vodka is very popular. But I still think vodka is a dirty secret. For sure. Because we live in a gin bubble. Well... First of all... Uh, this is where you come in now. You tell me your, your thoughts on the gin bubble. Yes and no. I would say, I would say uh, this is a common... I think bartenders know this is common uh, talk now that people say gin is now doing what vodka did because now there's hubba bubba gin. Yes. And now there is lots of flavor. I mean, you see the sales of rhubarb and strawberry gin. Wow. They, 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 there's a few brands who, who did it one year and they, they made nine or I don't know how many million bottles on that. Yeah. Uh, which is on one side cool, but you can just see, okay, it's, this is what vodka also made famous in the, in the good times. Um, so, and I think it's, what you can see now for vodka is there's more and more small craft kind of, or even real craft uh, distillers and there's an, people understand the art form and say that's interesting. Uh, I had the same because I now understand. I mean, when you look at gin, which I love and which we sell lots mm -hmm. of, and which is very good with basil. Yes, uh, you can, <laughs> vodka also. By the way. Yes, uh, you know, often I mean, where gin gin starts to with a neutral spirit, often they don't even make on their own which is kind of what modern vodka should be like regarding to the EU. It's a kind of neutral spirit. Mm -hmm. And this is what they say, this is vodka, often. So this is where gin comes from, and then they only start to flavor it with botanicals. This yeah. is gin. Yeah. And this is an art form. Some do it good. The only rule is there should be some juniper in it. And you flavor it with, with the great botanicals. Some do it good. Some do it extraordinary. Some now are more on the fun game because mm -hmm. it's more money. I think it's more easy but also quick money to make because mm -hmm. I think this will have a, like vodka head, like flavored vodka head. It will have a time and then it will be go away and it will fuck up the category a little bit uh, because now many people want to make quick money. Yeah. And I think in vodka it's a little bit different because vodka is on one side already a very big money game because it is lots of margin in general. Not, not for all the small distillers, but in general... And still a lot of volume. It's still the number one still, selling spirit in the world. Still a lot of volume. So, and also I was like, do we really want to import vodka? So I can tell you my story. It's a little bit like, I was like, okay, um, why I want to bring in a vodka to Germany? Because first of all, I was known as very critics on vodka, but also I think... The vodka basher? Yeah, the vodka basher, some call me. I think it's not super correct because it was more about what vodka used to stand for. Yes. I'm always up for good producers, good products, qualities. You know, I'm always interested, but in general what vodka was standing for was uh, 
the big bullshit game, mm -hmm. uh, full of marketing, uh, less quality, and lots of very untrue stories, mm -hmm. which I believe, when you look at vodka, you know what today is even more marketing bullshit than vodka always used to be? What do you think is it? I have an opinion you know, on that. Yeah, I do. You know, it's funny because we're... we're I just today I was, had a strice conversation. I was, I was reminded recently, because you have, as you say, you have a few people who were probably, let's be honest, were inspired by the small gin distilleries that came up. I will say that gin is flavored vodka, and actually distilling gin is not distilling, it's rectifying. Yep. So it's a slightly easier yep. prospect. And I see what's kind of funny for me is that then we have these vodka producers, um, myself and other people. And then, again, we have these big companies who, there is one in particular who set up a brand. No, no bashing here. No, bashing. no, no, no I'm, not, I'm just going to say they set up a brand okay. and they, they set it up and they, they release the same brand in all of these cities around the world. Mm -hmm. And it was such a good idea. You know, they could have had some really cool, you know, they had a bottle which had a top like a beer bottle and the, and the bottle looked cool and, you know, everything was, and they, they gave people who didn't make spirits, which is great for the industry to get people who, a guy who used to own a record store or a guy who used to make sneakers and, 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 uh, and sports clothes. And they gave these guys a ton of money in this really, really cool, obviously German, best distilling equipment, German equipment, shiny and new, and they said, make some vodka. And they could have, they could have made some great vodka. But what they did was they bought some spirit, we don't know where from, because nobody told us. They put it back through this shiny equipment, and then they bottled it. So they, they did what some gin producers do. They have this shiny yeah. equipment, and they build it and just do it one more and tell the difference. Yeah. But you know what? Uh, okay. Maybe then, you misunderstood me. Yeah. Okay. Vodka used to be very much fairy tale and bullshit. Yep. Now there's a few producers rethinking vodka in a good quality way. Yep. Still there's lots of blah, blah. You just said, maybe, and I said, this is what gin now becomes. Yeah. But I, that was a question. For me, there's another category. And it's just, I want to, you to guess which one I think. Yeah. Which is in the moment, so hardcore fairy tailing and cheating people. And it's unbelievable the wording they use. And they grow very fast. And I'm, I'm amazed how much bullshit they say and how less... Real information. Do you know what category is it is? It's not vodka. It's not gin. No. Rum. No. Non-alcoholic spirits. Oh. I just had well. today a two-hour conversation. It's unbelievable. They use phrases from craft distilling. It's all over phrases, but then you ask, okay, what does it mean? Yes. And then they cannot explain it because what the only thing they do is... They buy essences by big aroma producers, use cheap water, mix it once, and that's done. <laughs> so it's, I have some experience in this because our bar in London, oh, ladies yes. and gentlemen, yes. ladies yes. and gentlemen, is a little underground bar, and I got a license on the bar for a 16-liter copper pot still, It's a pot, and then it has a little refining lintel on the top, like a flying saucer. Then it goes through into its uh, swan neck and then cooling worm. And we were, like many other bars, given six cases of a very famous, probably the most famous, non-alcoholic spirit. Now, just let's stop there. A non-alcoholic spirit. The words is, don't even make sense. This is where the fairy tale begins. This is, doesn't even But make sense. And I we're not, think we have to be careful yeah. 
yeah. to go too much because yeah. we want to talk about vodka. Yeah, but because we but, can talk lots yeah, about this. Yeah, 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 yeah. And maybe this is another podcast yeah, and for another day. Let's do another for another day. For another day. Okay. Um, I five on that. Okay, but coming back to vodka. So, so vodka back to the vodka. To, yes, back just, to the vodka. Just let me ask you. So, yes. vodka used to be bullshit. Now there's cool vodka again. Gin is a craft art form. Uh, now people mix it up because of the quick money. It's okay. I got it. But when you start to realize, for example, I what I fell in love with because I used to think vodka is a little bit boring and bullshit, is really the art form. And your product also showed that to me. It's like, look, you only. I mean, it's reducing it to the maximum. Yes. The, the, the very interesting difference is vodka, you really distill a product. So you, you distill potatoes. This is what you do. Yeah, I mean, you have to do and it from then, scratch. Yeah, so. but then, so, because gin normally don't have this no. base. But don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with gin. I love it. I think there's Agreed. amazing producers. Yep. <laughs> We've bought a yes. few, so it's, you know, don't get me wrong. But the difference here I see, vodka has this ingredients. In your yep. case, it's, it's potato. And then only by distilling. So you, are, you, don't, you don't have the possibility in a good or in a bad way to use botanicals or kind of flavors to, no. to make this liquor interesting. No. no. The only thing you have is your machine, yes. the products you use, and your knowledge And then the result is something, it can be something interesting. Yeah. For sure, and this is why you said it tastes like an eau de vie. We are here very much in the world of kind of eau de vie, but yeah. you, you make it with potatoes. Yeah. And what's funny is you said the knowledge. We actually don't have or didn't have the knowledge. We, know, we don't know nothing. <laughs> we didn't because what we were doing was there was no roadmap. Yeah, I know. There was no instruction because... Every vodka that we were trying to emulate was moonshine. And moonshine is illegal. So nobody wrote down a recipe for moonshine because that would get you in trouble. So we didn't have this roadmap and we made a ton of, you know, kind of interesting discoveries along the way. And during that time, I think we are in a better place Because, yeah, we, we have an idea now of kind of like what it is that we want to do. And there is a certain amount of manipulation of the spirit. So you have the decision to make the cut. Mm -hmm. And that decision is very important. Probably the same decision that a, a whiskey producer is making. Mm -hmm. So what do you want that whiskey, that new make spirit, that the beginning before it goes into barrels of that spirit, what decisions you want to make so that you can affect the outcome of the liquid that is now a decision that we are making. Mm -hmm. And so we've got to a place, but it's been, you know, a nine year experiment. Mm -hmm. And we're lucky because we have the data mm -hmm. to understand better. And I think now, whilst every vintage we've ever made mm -hmm. and to recap we talk about terroir we talk about vintage very similar to viticulture and the way that a wine producer would talk about things in the tasting notes we are very very floral in our language it is it is very wine-based language but the but the business model looks more like a whiskey you have these unfiltered potato spirits because legally they haven't gone up to 96% ABV mm -hmm. you know technically technically the EU law is not about the ABV it's about the milligrams of Meth uh, uh, methanol yeah yes so but it's a common knowledge that normally so the, the EU says a vodka is a Crystal clear spirit made from uh, odorless, uh, colorless. Uh, uh, yeah, but it, it's maximum allowed to have this among. I don't know the number, but this among. Agreed. Of, of what the methanol, ethanol? Yeah, methanol. I make it up. So, but just, just so and then yeah, on that point with the methanol, the knowledge is that most people say to become beyond this point of legal, yeah. you need to distill up to 69 percent. No, sorry. Yes. 96, sorry for and me. what's funny about all of that is that it is true 
that when you are distilling to those lower ABVs, perhaps like a, a pot still would allow you to, the methanol content is higher than a vodka that's been produced on a column still to 96%. But it is still lower than cognac and brandy and grappa, which all have the highest amounts of methanol. That gives them the taste. And it is not the reason that you are not allowed to do that for any health reasons. It is an archaic law that I believe allows much larger producers to use anything in the production of vodka so that they don't, and in fact they, they don't want you to taste the base product because the base product would not be very, very nice. Okay. We yesterday had this masterclass yes. about vodka. You gave us some insights. So now we should maybe catch up a little bit of details. So yes. technically vodka can be made from, I would say, any organic, anything organic grown, like yes. grains, potatoes, whatever. But on the bad side, what the industry does is they also lose rest from, how do you call it, molasses. from Corn sugar syrup cane, and corn molasses. Syrup. And sugar so beets. It's a little bit dutchy. It's yep. often used to distill these very cheap vodkas. In column stills, very high, so there's no taste because the base is just rubbish. Mm -hmm. So then there are maybe the better producers using real grain yep. or real potatoes yep. coming to your product. Yep. There is a bad way in doing potato vodka. What many I learned yesterday from you that yep. the cheap producers don't use <coughs> real potatoes. They use a starch. It's a powder. Like a starch substrate. On, It's, it originally was made from potato something. Yeah. So this is why they are still allowed to call it potato vodka. Yes. But it's just the powder they buy to yeah. get some kind of sugary water to start the distillation. Yep. Yeah. That was the baddest one. The second baddest one is... Uh, chips. Chips. Oh, they so call the them rest, slivers. 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 So the rest from... I, I, when you Google that, the making pommes frites, from, uh, French fries is one of the biggest uh, reasons to grow potatoes, even in Poland. Yeah. It's the number one market for yeah. potatoes. So most of that is going to fast food industry. Yeah. So they can only use the center of the potato. The yeah. rest of it is not possible to use it for, for French fries or chips. Yeah. So this is like trash, not yeah. trash, but organic trash yeah. kind of. Yeah. So they collect it over days or whatever, yeah. and then some... Then they use it. Then they use it, which is also a little bit kind of yeah. ugly. That's the cheap potato vodka. Yeah. You said no, because you have this... You started to have this farm. Your father has this kind of lodge with yeah. farming around, yeah. big land. Yep. You have Danzig, which we call it, the yes. dance. You go a little bit, 30 minutes, then you're in Kashubistan. Kash yeah, Kashubia. Kashubi, a yeah. region of Poland, yes. where the farm is. Yes. You're sur surrounded by old potato farmers. Yes. They grow very different types of potatoes. Yeah. And they often they grow them with a horse and very, very small, yeah. uh, you know. It is very small. Very idyllic. Not yeah. all of them, but a few of them do still do it. Yeah. Uh, so you started to, t to take potatoes from, from your soil. Yep. Also because you grow, now you also buy from other people, but you have these small real potatoes. Yes. And this is where you started to make vodka from. So when I get you right, in the beginning you started with the old school way of doing vodka. The very first time, and still to this day, for particularly the vintages, we, we grow a potato to order. That potato has to have a high starch content, but we can change the variety. Mm -hmm. And we've used lots of different varieties. They all give a different flavor. Perhaps if we go back to winemaking, like a different grape variety will make a different type of wine. And we believe from conversations we had had with old farmers that if you use a new potato, or we call them, the translation is virgin potatoes, they are so small, the skin hasn't formed, mm -hmm. the smaller the vegetable, and if you ever go to a restaurant 
and you have Jersey Royals or you have Petit Pois, or these are small vegetables, mm -hmm. they have more flavor. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the reasons why, it's, fact, the, it's the reason why we do it differently mm -hmm. to other people, but we feel it is authentic and in keeping with the tradition of traditional potato vodka from Poland. Mm -hmm. So, but the first destination you do was this old style? Yes. So you did the vintage? Yes. And then you decided, okay, now we want to make this a brand and a yep. thing. And then you decided, okay, we also wanted to have one like regulation to the law, a real vodka. Yeah, I mean, we were being asked a lot for vodka, yeah. so we wanted to understand how could we make something that was different. Mm -hmm. And again, there was a bit of a cue from whiskey. If the single variety potato vodkas, the vintage vodkas, are like a single malt, mm -hmm. we thought, talking to some people, it would be interesting if we used three potato varieties, mm -hmm. which would help us because we knew that there would be more volume. Mm -hmm. And it would safeguard us if there was a problem with one variety, we could then supplement with another in the, the mm -hmm. generally the proportions, there's a bit of flux there, a bit of change. If we put this through a column and we filtered it once and we distilled it once, because we'd heard that there had been historically a lot of companies talking about However many times they distilled it, one, two, three, four, five times distilled. Which is hard to count in a column still. Yeah. <laughs> And it was very subjective. And we understood that actually, in our opinion, with a single distillation and a single filtration, you could produce a really, really interesting potato vodka that didn't have quite as much aroma But it still had, we talk about Vestal Vodka's DNA. Mm -hmm. The DNA with potato vodka, which we call the king of vodka, is creamy and buttery. So it's that mouthfeel. Mm -hmm. And I've been very lucky to judge vodka competitions. Mm -hmm. Three days, 180 vodkas, a lot of vodkas. You don't drink it, you spit it like a wine. You better do. Yeah, you better do. And... Vodka, I think, in the most part, when it is a traditional style of commercial vodka, distilled and filtered, vodka then is only distinguishable slightly by the aroma, but mainly by the mouthfeel. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, I always say to people, vodka then becomes like appreciating modern art. Sometimes in modern art, you will see a canvas, you will see a painting, and it is just black. And you think, that's really boring. It's a really boring painting. It's just black. So I could you, do you it. You need to understand Anyone could do things it. behind it. So. so with modern art, and sometimes with vodka, there becomes a little bit of a more sophisticated, cerebral understanding. Why did the artist arrive at that point? Mm -hmm. What happened? Why did the vodka producer decide to finish his vodka in this style? Mm -hmm. And there are lots of different styles, whether we have the vodka belt of Scandinavia, mm -hmm. Russia or Poland. Mm -hmm. Scandinavia and Russia, I would say, is predominantly wheat. Mm -hmm. And then Poland is rye and potato. Mm -hmm. And they all are very different styles. So I guess if you work in bars... The only thing that I think is, is cool and I think is good for everyone, it doesn't have to be my vodka, it would be nice, is that on the back of every bar, mm -hmm. you have a wheat vodka, a rye vodka, and a potato vodka. Yeah. For potato, we have a suggestion. But... I mean, I, 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 I know a really good potato vodka, so I can make a suggestion. <laughs> but I think on the back bar, that's what you should have. Mm -hmm. So, you do, the, you call it the... Blended vodka, Vestal, you read the yeah, it's, vodka? it's a blend of three potatoes. It's a blend of three potatoes. Yes. And um, the, just to, to let everybody know, that, so the, 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 the real distillation, the machine is not on the lodge. 
it's a little bit away, like half an hour. Yeah. It's technically yeah. then in Pommel. Pomorza, uh, yeah, it's definitely in Pomorza. It's one of the old, famous, communistic... Yeah, it's a big, 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 um, old... I think it would have been a communist farm, so it goes for hectares and hectares of land. Yeah. You would have had these super farms yeah. that were producing a lot of food sources that went back to Mother Russia. And you started a cooperation with them? Yep. So, uh, for sure, because the volume they can make in this column still is quite high. Yes. Uh, so, you only have a few days a year where you produce this, the, the Currently, classic... Currently, that's what we do. You know, we go in there, yeah. we work really hard, we produce it, um, and we work on forecasts. So, we try and grow every year. We make a little bit more, grow every year. Um, and we try and facilitate that growth. What I really liked was to understand that you, it took you a special effort to make a deal with these people. To yeah. say, listen, once a year you do the super general cleaning of your machine. Yes. Can we be the first after the general cleaning? Yes. Because when you distill potatoes, often there's pesticides and all things yeah. like that. And you said, we don't want that. So we were very lucky. We got in there, you know, They knew that we were a family in Poland, yeah. so we weren't strangers. They knew what we had done, so there was sort of a good agreement, I think, where everyone was happy. And then we decided with them that, yes, you know, we would work with them because they had a technique and an expertise. Um, also, they had the paperwork, because in Poland... They still very much like the rubber stamp mm -hmm, mm -hmm. from the old days that is still a very yeah. officious, yeah. bureaucratic network of things. Um, and yes, we now sort of work with them and create, even by their standards, a very, a very out there spirit. Yeah. You know, it's a crazy, even you know, by their standards, they think, wow, What are these guys doing? Yeah. But also to understand, this is the blended Vestal vodka. Yes. Done in a column still, yeah. old school, communistic, uh, long tradition. Exactly. Potato machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you do the vintages, which officially are not called uh, vodka. It's a potato. In the moment, it's still a potato spirit. You yep. maybe change that yep. because you're, you're getting knowledge We, on yep, that. Yeah, yeah. But... This is done, you have a cooperation with these people, but then you build with them together yeah. another still, which is classic it, Karl, what is it? It is a Karl pot column hybrid. Very cool. From Germany. Very, from Germany. <laughs> you have Karl or Holstein, yeah. and um, great quality, you know. Mm -hmm. They're described as either the Rolls-Royce or the Bentley. I like both. We have the Rolls-Royce, okay. but the Bentley is also nice. Yeah. And um, this gives us more control, flexibility. We can do more things. Yeah, and this is where you do the vintage. Yeah. Nice. Cool. And then, so in the moment we have, I think you started 2009 with the first yep. experimental vintage. Then we have all the vintages. So I, saw, I saw at a few English web shops, I think it was Whiskey Exchange. Yeah. There's still a few bottles of, I think it's 2010 or 2009. 2010. And they are up to 600 pounds, 800 pounds, 600? Yeah, we had, we had one, we had 2009, we had two fields. Yeah. One, one field we still have from Kashubia, but we had another field from Podlashe. Oh, yeah, that was and, gone. And oh, yeah. this one, I had sold some bottles to... Raf Rodriguez, who was the sommelier, first of all, at Tom Aitken, famous celebrity chef in London. But he moved over to Claridge's, the world-famous hotel, where Simon Rogan built a Michelin star restaurant. Mm -hmm. And I sold him some vodka. I didn't think anything about it. And he supported me. And most of the support actually didn't come from bar people. It came from sommeliers. Mm -hmm. 
which I thought was a huge compliment because sure. sommeliers have a very good for sure nose and palate and taste and appreciation. But definitely, just to I see totally Vestal in the restaurant foodie world. Yeah, for sure, it's good in the bar. We love it, yeah. especially the blend. But these kind of potato eau de vies, which they are yeah. not technically, but they are definitely, especially if you want to. I mean, they each bottle tells a story about one special type of potato yes. from a very special type of region. Yes, it's very much related to wine. Yes, and I can see, and I spoke also to a few chefs, and they're interesting to yeah. you know, creating like potato menus with yeah. this, and I think it's cool. Yeah. And it's funny because you can do some really cool things if you get those flavors right. Food pairing is is incredible. Yeah. Sorry I interrupted. And the end of the story is, is that the sommelier called me up and said, I have run out of bottles, or I'm, I, I'm about to run out of bottles. And I said to him, well, I've got six more bottles, and that's it. Then it's all gone. And he said, wow, okay. He said, well, I've got two more bottles. And I said, well, look, I'm going to hold on to these six bottles, but I can sell you another vintage. And he said, I don't want another vintage. I really like this one. I really, really like this one. I said, well, look, you've got two bottles. Now you know that there's eight bottles in the world. I've got six. You've got two. He said, okay, cool. So in the Times newspaper... We have the clippings. It's there. They wrote about it. They were writing about vodka. They interviewed him, and he said, yeah, I've sold the two bottles. I sold them each for 2,490 pounds for a half-liter bottle of vodka. Not because, <laughs> not because it was filtered through diamonds, not because it was relating to a celebrity, not for any other reason, but... And remember, this is London. London is a crazy city. There are some people who can afford these things. For me, that would be a very, very high price to pay. Yep. But maybe for somebody else, when they were presented with a question, do you have any vodka? Yes, sir, we do have some vodka. We have two bottles left of this lovely vodka, and that is it. Then there will only be six bottles left that are just kept for history. So you still got them? I still got them. Oh, so we need to rock you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not. Maybe we just drink them. Because okay. I also have a philosophy now that people come to me and I get emails from people saying, I've still got this bottle and it's unopened. Where can I sell it? And I say to them, you can sell it on the whiskey exchange or the whiskey auctions that they have, the spirit auctions. Yeah. But I say to them also... What would you do if you had a bottle of Chateau Petrousse mm. or some Rothschild or a, mm. you know, a Premier Cru? You know, it's about drinking it. Drink it. Yeah. You know, if you're in it for making money as a commodity, fine. Okay, but I think you have the one chance in your life that you bought something and you bought it and you forgot about it and then discovered it. Just open it. Have that moment. Open it and enjoy it. Because you probably don't have a bottle of Petrus yeah. or Rothschild. Yeah. Because those wines were tied up years ago. Yeah. It's fun because you're, you're uh, I mean, in the moment we have the 2011 from your house, the 2013 and the 2014. And the 13, you are the lucky recipient we are, because we own, you, I think we have the, the you last have the 12 most, bottles. Yeah, the last 12 bottles in just the to, world. To, to let everybody know that the story behind this is so 2009 that was their start. They started to build a vodka lovers community in London and everywhere. 2012, there was a bad, how you call it? The potatoes were bad. But, uh, too much uh, rain. It was, yeah, waterlogged. So, it was waterlogged. So they didn't do the vintage because the field they were growing and there was shit yeah. you couldn't use it. So they decided we cannot make a vodka. So all these collectible vodka freaks... And that were, was a really were, bad were, were time like, for us because yeah. we thought... You were just growing. We thought, this is it. The company you're, you're will... Dead. You're dead. The, the company will fail. Yeah, yeah. But then, so one year later, you, you brought out the 2013 and it was immediately sold out, kind of. It was very popular because there had been a, you know, a delay of yeah. two years. And uh, it's fun because the, the 2011 and the 2013 are really... 
eau de vis, I think, in a very yeah. interesting way. And the 214 is a little bit different. It's more smoky. For me, it's more like mezcal. Yeah. A little bit. We call, yeah. for fun, we call it the Polish agave. Yeah. I know we, we did this fun to make this vodka margarita because it has these agave tastes. Yeah. And I know that yeah. all this like professional bartenders and journalists, they always make jokes on social media about me. Like, hey, he's serving vodka margaritas. What a bullshit. I'm like, yeah, you, you don't get it. It's okay. Just buy a bottle and, you know, it's okay. It's okay. And that drink is really good. And then the other drink... Um, is the Queen Mother's drink yeah. with Dubonnet. Yeah, we do one with them. We, we just mix the 2014 with Dubonnet. Classic Dubonnet cocktail, but no gin, just your Pomorte. Uh, 2014, style, uh, yeah. And, and it's amazing I think because... it's a killer drink. Because I think, I have to say, I bought, I think we bought one palette for you. I think it was kind of the last. It's pretty much the last one. And the one. most of it, which is we already mixed in Le Lyon and in our bar. So yeah. I think also 2014, there's not much left. Again. We have a little, we have a little, but... But you also have the, the first refusal. What is a refusal? Like, I kept some back for you of the 2014. I know, I know, I have some. There was yeah. a... This is why I need to check and then we our, need to reorder. Our, our agreement. Uh, we have an agreement because I think it's extraordinary. Yeah, yeah. I know. So we and have to, also, we have the to agreement was that. based on the fact that there are few people in the world that understand where we're coming from, and your approach to spirits and your approach to curating spirits is very, very interesting, and I think better than most. And it's a it's a role model, I would say, mm -hmm. for other small European wholesale distribution companies to look at what Tender Spirits is doing and really kind of look at that curation carefully built. You know, that's really interesting. And now, Jörg won't want me to say this, but I will say this, he is really in demand because you are building some... I tell people that I'm working with Jörg in Germany and they're like, how can you introduce me to this guy? First, I decided we need some founding. <laughs> I need to find the next quarter million because I learned that stocking more stuff is quite money intense. I'm like, okay, I need to make sure. <laughs> but we will find a way to do this. Yeah. We are curious. But this is our idea. Flexible invoicing. Yeah, yeah. But our, you know, the, 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 our, our idea is really to, uh, I mean, we started this. I mean, now people, for example, say, when I say, hey, try, try Vestal, yeah? And then they say, yeah, the, the, for sure you say you should do a Vesta drink because that's the vodka you import. Mm. And I say, well, for me, it's the other side around. I was looking for a good vodka. For sure, there are good vodkas, but I always want this, like, good story, good product, good people behind. Yeah. I couldn't find it. Yeah. Now I found one. This is the reason why I import it. Yeah. So it's two sides of because we do both. It's unusual. Yeah. We are importer and we run bars and yeah. we run bar business, which is unusual, I think, still. And also, I would just say... The reason that I got into bars, and we should probably wrap it up fairly soon, but oh, okay. the reason that I got into bars was primarily in London, if you make vodka, but you don't come from the bar industry, they don't really want to talk to you. Mm -hmm. they, I think they feel that you didn't put in the time. Mm -hmm. You didn't progress. They're right. Kind of. So it's a different conversation and a different language. Yeah. And so I built the bars to try and understand that bar language mm -hmm. and the business, but also to find some cash flow mm -hmm. to build the vodka. Mm -hmm. oh, I like it. So that was and the this idea. was also a reason why I said he's an interesting chap because it's yeah, it's the same. I said, okay, he's running a bar. He's you know he he tries to make it happen. I like that. Mm. Hustling around here, you know, in London, a lot of hustle. To doing the shit, a lot you know? of hustle. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. So, um, just to close this because we yes. run like an hour. I oh, think. sorry. Everybody yeah. fall yeah, asleep. Yeah, 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 hey, yeah, wake yeah. up! Wake up! Yeah, wake, wake up, up! Wake up! Um, so, uh, yeah, super proud to have your products. So, in the moment, we have your blended uh, Vestal vodka, uh, which. That was my reason because I just want to say that at the, at the end, when we started to look for a new vodka for Lulion and uh, Boilerman, because I was kind of pissed. I mean, I know Lulion is a kind of expensive bar, mm -hmm. for sure. 
I think we, we try to value always, we try to deliver always good value for money. Mm -hmm. But I was kind of pissed when you come to many, many bars. And I feel the same in my bar. I was like, hmm, because some of the vodka brands we used for pouring, because on one side as a bar owner, mm -hmm. you want to have a good price for yes. sure, because vodka pays the bills. Yes. Thanks for that. <laughs> um, but on the flip side, I was like, it's not possible to use really, I mean, you come to really good bars, to high-end restaurants, And they use really cheap shit as for the vodka drinks because they say nobody tastes the different. And mm -hmm. they say that that's that cannot be the, the, yeah. the thing. Yeah. You should have some a brand. You can also price wise, maybe you spend one euro more, but you have to you can make a, you can still use it in a in a in a good bar because you know this is quality. You wouldn't go to a sushi restaurant if they were buying cheap fish. No. <laughs> okay. This is where we end. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, William. Danke, danke. Speak soon. Uh, we will keep all of you updated. I'm curious to see what your next vintage is. When does it come? 2015? Next year? No, this year. Uh, okay. September. And before that, do me a favor. Try a Ludmilla's Margarita. It's a vodka-based margarita. And even if you don't get it, it's cool. <laughs> Agreed. Thank you. So thanks a lot. Bye-bye. 